0: We've been preaching through Galatians. We've been kind of studying and learning Galatians together. And we're at a halfway point in Galatians today. Uh, Last Sunday, we talked about the end of Galatians 2. We didn't actually last Sunday. I'm just kidding. Two weeks ago, we dealt with the end of Galatians chapter 2 making sure you're on your toes and today we come to galatians 3 1 to 5 and we're at a halfway point in in the book of galatians and paul makes a transition here and we're studying galatians and 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 why does that matter you know why should we go through and preach through and talk about a specific book of the bible i mean why do we do that and well i want to argue uh, here real quick and say. The whole Bible has awesome value. This is all God's Word. And as we preach through the, a book of the Bible in what would be called expository preaching, we learn verse by verse uh, what, what God is teaching us in His Word. In this case, in Galatians. In Galatians, is so important, as the whole Bible is, but a theme in Galatians is salvation by faith in Christ alone. Jesus plus nothing. We're not saved by works. We're not saved by keeping the law. We can't earn our salvation. Now, certainly two weeks ago, it was two weeks ago, we talked about Galatians chapter 2 verse 20. And in that uh, passage, Paul talked about dying with Christ. He said, I am crucified with Christ and I no longer live the life I now live in the body. I live by faith in the son who died and gave himself as a ransom for me we live for christ because we died with christ and we gave our life over to christ that's what baptism is about and if you haven't been baptized and you want to be water baptized as a believer immersed let me know we'd love to do another baptism we could just do it this wednesday outside at some pond when it's a negative five i mean like they did in the olden days it'd just be really fun um i'll do it from outside the pond um (laughs) anyways if you want to be baptized let me know but that's what baptism is about you go under the water dying with christ and you rise again living for christ we're saved by faith in jesus alone as we get to galatians chapter 3 we see the apostle paul being absolutely shocked absolutely shocked by by the way they have changed in their beliefs changed for the worse You know, I heard about a police chief, a small town police chief, who had spoken on hate crimes, and then he found out his own son, his own son, was guilty of a hate crime. A small town police chief spoke at a public forum about preventing hate violence. Hours later, he discovered that his son, his own son, is a suspect in a hate crime. The area had been rocked, rocked by a recent spate of attacks on Sikhs including the beating of a 71-year-old man named Singnat by two teen assailants in nearby Mantica area. Union City Police Chief Darrell McAllister had been speaking to members of the local Sikh community, trying to engage them in strategies and violence avoidance. The next day, Chief McAllister left the following words as part of a note on the department's official Facebook page. He wrote, It is not that often that I find myself sharing with the general public issues that pertain to my personal family life. I feel it is a must that this be one of those rare occasions. After recapping the details of the attack, he continued, I am completely disgusted in sharing with you that later yesterday evening, I received a call from the Mantica Police Department that the suspect in this horrific crime turns out to be my own 18-year-old son. Tyrone McAllister, who was reportedly estranged from his police chief father, was taken into custody and charged with attempted robbery, elder abuse, and assault with a deadly weapon in connection with the attack. In the statement, Chief McAllister also wrote that he and his family were shaken to the core. Shaken to the core. I believe right now the Apostle Paul is shaken to the core about the people of Galatia. And how much they have turned in their faith. Recognizing they were saved by faith in Jesus alone. Faith in Jesus alone. And now being turned. Paul reveals his emotions as we get to Galatians chapter 3. And I believe he is utterly disappointed in them. Utterly disappointed in them. So please turn in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 3 verses 1 to 5. Or a pew Bible or in your iPhone. Whatever it may be. Turn to Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. And I want to reemphasize that we are saved. We are saved by faith in the gospel. And we grow in our faith by the Holy Spirit's work. I'll give you a second to turn there. Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 to 5. Paul writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. You're not there yet. Just keep turning. It's fine. Galatians is right after 1 and 2 Corinthians, which is right after Romans. Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 to 5. The Apostle Paul writes, You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified? This is the only thing I want to find out from you. Did you receive the Spirit, the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit? Are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? So then, does he who provides you with the Spirit and works miracles among you do it by the works of the law or by hearing? with faith. Galatians three, one to five. I encourage you to keep your Bibles opened uh, as we talk about that passage for a few moments, but let me let me reread that reviewing as I reread that. You know, notice the strong terminology the Apostle Paul uses right here. You foolish Galatians. We're kind of like, Paul, tell us how you really feel, you know? You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? We're going to come back to that word in a minute. Before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Did the the, the people of Galatia see Jesus crucified? We're going to come back to that too. Verse 2. This is the only thing I want to find out from you. Question. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? When he says Spirit here, it's capital S. Holy Spirit. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law, capital L, that would be the Old Testament law, that would be the Old Testament law, or did you receive the Holy Spirit by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? There's that word again. Tell us how you really feel. I will, and I am. Having begun by the Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? When he talks about the flesh, he's talking about following the law, the Old Testament law. Verse 4, did you suffer so many things in vain? Vain would be worthlessly. If indeed it was in vain, verse 5, summary, so then does he who provides you with the Spirit, that would be the Holy Spirit, and works miracles among you, apparently they'd seen miracles, do it by the works of the law? That would be the Old Testament again. Or by hearing with faith? Is it about Faith, or is it about following the Torah, the Pentateuch, the Old Testament, the law? And the obvious answer is it's about faith in Jesus Christ alone. And that just summarized my sermon so we can be done now. I'm just kidding. (laughs) That's not the way I operate. (laughs) Anyways, let's put this passage in context right here. Let me put it in context, and then I'll talk about it for a couple minutes. Uh, This is a new section in Galatians, and this is a major section. Galatians, in a way, corresponds with Romans, actually. If you read and study Romans, Romans is Paul's great treatise on salvation. In Galatians, Paul is corresponding with that a little bit. For the broader section, if you look, if you think about the broader section right now, the context, context is critical whenever you're studying the Bible. If you think about Galatians chapters 3 and 4, they go together. Chapters 3 and 4. And for the broader section of chapters 3 and 4, the main points are that Paul talks about how Abraham. Abraham, the Old Testament, Abraham, which begins in Genesis 12, Abraham had received righteousness, which means right standing with God, not from the law, because this was way before the law. Abraham had this righteousness by faith alone. Abraham preceded the law. He preceded Moses by over 400 years. He preceded Moses, and yet Abraham received his righteousness, his right standing with God, by faith alone. Paul's going to get into that in the next few verses, which we're going to get to in the next few weeks. Paul develops this argument by going back to Genesis chapter 15. He goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 15, and then he adds on how God has said that Abraham's seed would bless the nations. Abraham's seed, which is Jesus Christ, our Lord, would bless the nations. We find that out in Genesis chapter 15, as well as chapter 12. Paul then will go into his next evidence, which is that Jesus had become the curse for us. This is all what Paul's getting into in Galatians 3 and later on in Galatians 4. Paul makes a very systematic, a very logical argument. He knew logic. He knew basic reasoning to show how important faith is. Because righteousness by faith alone preceded the law. It preceded the Old Testament law. Paul talks about how the law requires obedience. And we are cursed for not being absolutely obedient. Do you realize that? If you want to follow the Old Testament law, which try as you can, it's good to do, it's a good thing. You can only do it by Jesus. And Paul was saying, if you're not 100% obedient, you're cursed. No one could keep the law. No one could keep the law. That's why we needed a Savior. That's why we needed Jesus to go to the cross for us. Paul talks about how Christ was a curse for us. Paul moves into how we are free and not as slaves. We were slaves at one time, slaves to the law, and we were young and immature. However, with Christ came adoption, and therefore we are not slaves. Do you realize that? Part of the blessings of the New Covenant, part of the blessings of the New Testament, is we are adopted into God's family. God calls us his children. Jesus calls us his friends. We experience adoption, not slavery. Paul moves into the allegorical story of Hagar. He'll get into that in Galatians 4. And that was his close, which showed that we are descendants of the free woman. As we look at Galatians chapter 3 and 4, we'll see all of these points move together quite logically. And as Paul wrote Galatians, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he knew and expected that his readers knew the Old Testament. And that's why also it's important that we are also reading the Old Testament. The Old Testament is incredibly applicable. Let's look at these verses. I just summarized the context that we're going to be getting into in the next several weeks as we look at Galatians 3 and 4. Paul says that they have been foolish. You foolish Galatians. He says it twice. You foolish Galatians. Paul says that they have been bewitched. Now whenever I read that word bewitched, I think of that show from the 1960s with Elizabeth Montgomery and Bewitched. I know some of you are thinking it, some of you can maybe even remember the theme song. Well, you know, it's just the word here. But what does that mean? What does it mean that he's saying, Who has bewitched you? John MacArthur points out when Paul talks about them being bewitched, it has the idea of being charmed or misled by flattery and false promises. The term suggests an appeal to the emotions by the Judaizers. The Judaizers are Jewish Christians or Jewish alleged Christians who wanted them to keep the whole law. Paul went in and he, and he shared the gospel with the people of Galatia. And he told them, you're saved by grace through faith alone. And these other people, these, these kind of false apostles, these, these people came in and told them, no, 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 no. You got to keep the whole law. You got to keep the whole law. And they're Judaizers. They're Jewish alleged Christians. And they're spreading wrong information. And they are bewitching them. They are charming them. They are, uh, they are misleading them by flattery and false promises. One source shares this Greek word means to bewitch. As with the eye. To cast an evil eye. These Judaizers cast an evil eye on them. A Greek commentator on the work of the poet Theocritus. I know, you probably all read Theocritus every day, right? I mean, it's right on your coffee table or by your bed. I've never read Theocritus. But anyways, this Greek commentator on the work of the poet Theocritus observes that the noun bascanos, translated bewitched, means one who with his eye kills or destroys. One who with his eyes kills or destroys. Superstitious people believed that great harm might result from the evil eye or from being looked upon with envious and malicious stares. Great harm could be done by that evil eye. In the New Testament, this idea means to utter foolish babble, to mislead by pretenses, as if by magic arts or bewitched. So the point is that these, these Jewish people who wanted them to keep the whole law, who you know, falsely, wrongly wanted them to keep the whole law, had misled the Galatians. They had misled them. Almost like they cast an evil eye on them. Almost like they charmed them. Almost like they appealed to their emotions. And Paul is calling them out. Paul is calling them out for this false teaching. The point is that doctrine matters. And we need to understand proper Christian teaching. Because the devil and his minions, they want to use other people to bring us down. And to sway us from proper beliefs. When Paul calls them foolish, he is not insulting their intelligence. They were not lacking IQ. They were lacking spiritual discernment. Spiritual discernment. And we got to ask ourselves, how are we doing with our spiritual discernment? How are we doing? Are we making sure, you know, 2 Timothy 2.15 says, work diligently, work diligently to present yourself as one approved, a work man or woman who need not be ashamed and who can correctly handle the word of truth. Can you correctly handle the word of truth? Can you pray about and seek things so that you also are not bewitched? Paul says that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. What does that mean? Publicly portrayed as crucified. We know that's true, but we never thought the people of Galatia saw that. About this, Dr. Ben Witherington, a professor at Asbury Theological Seminary, writes, Scholars have long puzzled over the meaning of Galatians chapter 3, verse 1b which reads literally, before whose eyes Jesus Christ, having been crucified, was put on public display. Did Paul put on some sort of early version of a passion play? These questions, however, tend to reflect how little some scholars know about Paul's use of rhetoric. And in this case, the rhetorical device known as ekphrasis, ekphrasis. It is the use, here it is, it is the use of vivid language that conjures up stark visual images in the listener's mind. So we need not imagine the Apostle Paul putting on a passion play to impress the Galatians. We need only imagine that he gave a very vivid, with lots of visual imagery, description of the crucifixion of Jesus. It's just a use of rhetoric, which is communication skills. The rest of these verses, verses 2 through 5, are about how they were saved and how they grew in their faith. Paul uses rhetorical questions. Paul asks five questions in just as many verses. Five questions. In verse 2, we're going to walk through them. In verse 2, Paul says he only wants to know one thing. Did you receive the Spirit, that would be the Holy Spirit, by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Did they receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law? Did you, did we receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law? The obvious answer is no. The obvious answer is that we were saved and we received the Holy Spirit by hearing the gospel and having faith in the gospel. And by the way, that sums up the next few verses. They were saved by hearing the gospel and accepting the gospel. Paul continues with questions in verses 3 and 4. And he sums it up in verse 5. In verse 3, Paul goes to another level. He started verse 2 with questions about how they were saved. And now he asks questions referring to how they grow in their faith. How do they grow in their faith? He asks if they are perfected by the flesh. Perfected. That means do they grow in their faith by the flesh? Are they sanctified by the flesh? The flesh usually means the law. So the idea is, do they grow in Christ by the law or by the Holy Spirit? The obvious answer is by the Holy Spirit. We all grow in our faith by letting the Holy Spirit reign in our life, by letting the Holy Spirit be Lord of our life, by leaning in on God and living our Christian life by the Holy Spirit. In verse 4, Paul seems to refer to suffering, which means that they have suffered persecution. And if they suffered for the law, it was in vain. It was worthless get that if they suffered for the law it was worthless because they weren't saved by the law because no one can keep the law we're talking about it in a few weeks but in romans paul says the law was a tutor in order to tell us we were sinners and we need a savior verse five comes back to the original idea paul says so then does he who provides you with the spirit the holy spirit and works miracles among you does he do it by the works of the law Or by hearing with faith? He does it by hearing the gospel and receiving the gospel with faith. In the next few verses, which we'll get into next week, Paul will add to this idea, clarify the idea, substantiate this with two Old Testament passages. He's going to get into Abraham. And as I said, Abraham was was declared righteous in God's eyes by faith. And Abraham came hundreds of years before the law was given by Moses. Let me apply this. We need to not be arrogant. We must know that we are saved by faith and faith alone. We needed Jesus to intercede. We needed Jesus to come and live a perfectly sinless life and go to the cross and die on the cross for our sins and rise again. We need Jesus. We all need Jesus. And many times we might understand that, kind of, but in our head we're still thinking we're good enough. We're called to try to pursue Jesus and follow Jesus. But we do it by the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. And we do it because we love Jesus. We don't do it to earn our salvation. We don't do it to earn our salvation. We do it to follow Jesus. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Looking at verse 1, we must not allow anyone to divert our focus from Jesus in proper doctrine, proper beliefs. We must not allow the devil to do this through false teachers. We must stay clear of the, ma- uh, of the major heresies such as Mormonisms and Mormonism and Jehovah's Witness. These are major heresies across our country and across our land that certainly would be obvious heresies compared to the New Testament and the Old Testament. However, we also must stay clear of smaller heresies as well. We must make sure we do not let anyone steer us the wrong way. Do not let anyone bewitch us. Do not let anyone kind of cast that evil eye or charm us. We must, and you know what we got to do? We got to stay true to the Lord. We got to seek the Lord. We have to seek his word. We have to spend time in his word. We have to be active in the spiritual disciplines, active in our church family. We have to study. If we truly believe, and I truly believe, that this book, the Bible, is God's holy word, then why aren't we cracking it open more and studying it? Why aren't we studying more about God? God is great and awesome, and he has revealed himself to us, and he has saved us, and he has set us free. And I'm kind of convinced that most Christians or alleged Christians across the United States of America could care less. We come on Sunday morning and we think that's enough. We don't try to spend time in spiritual disciplines. And some of us, we might think, well, you know, the Bible is hard to understand. And maybe in certain places it is, in certain places it is, and certain places it's not. And sometimes we just say that because we don't really care to try. So we try to understand what's important to us. We try to seek the Lord, don't we? If it's hard to understand... Talk to me. I would love to help you. I have a discipleship class. meet on Sundays at 5 o'clock. We're already in in level 2, but I'd love to get you caught up and get you included and teach you how to study the Bible, teach you how to spend time in God's Word, teach you how to memorize Scripture. What we expect is instant godliness, just like we expect instant microwavable food, don't we? Myself included. We like our instant things, don't we? We like, uh, you know, put that pizza in the microwave in two minutes. Ding, it's done. It's great. It's great. It's marvelous, it's wonderful. Call Pizza Hut, they deliver. 15 minutes, except for us, it took two hours, but that's a different story. But we want it instant. Went the next diet fat, instant done, 30 days to 30 pounds gone, you know? It doesn't work, it's all marketing. At least I'm convinced it's all marketing. You know, I think healthy eating is a good thing, but every time I turn on the TV, there's a new one. And we expect instant godliness. And pursuing God is, 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 is putting up war against our sinful nature. It's putting up war against our sinful nature. And the devil wants to do anything to keep you away from being a disciple of Jesus Christ. And I want to challenge you and encourage you that if you're not pursuing Jesus as a disciple of Christ, you're setting yourself up to be bewitched. You're setting yourself up to be, you know, charmed and persuaded the other way. And I want to encourage you, if you're not in Sunday school and if you're not at Wednesday night Bible study or another Bible study, get here. Some people say you're not a reader. You don't like to read. All the more reason, come to Bible study. Come to Sunday school. Get involved. If that doesn't work for you, see me. We'll find another opportunity to to help you grow as a disciple of Christ, help you get into God's word and study it so you know the truth. And the truth will set you free. Watch out for false doctrine. Know why you believe what you believe. We must recognize that we are not saved by our own works. You know, we've rammed at home every week of Galatians. I want to park here for just another second. Um, Sometimes we think, but I don't desire to come to Sunday school. I don't desire to come to a small group. I don't desire Wednesday night bible study and i'll say of course you don't you have to get up an hour earlier on sunday morning of course you don't you, you know as a christ follower we all have a sin nature and then we have the holy spirit and the holy spirit is going to war against that sin nature and you have to overcome it by seeking jesus and sometimes we want to live the christian life based off our emotions if it feels good we'll do it if it doesn't uh, i don't think so i don't desire to eat right and most of the time i don't that's why i jog whether i desire to or not you know, but we have to do certain things for our own good. And for your spiritual good, we have to seek the Lord. And, we ha- and you know what? We have to build habits. The discipleship training that I lead at 5 o'clock on, on Sundays holds you accountable. You're supposed to write down what time you begin your devotions, what time you end, uh, what scripture you read, and an application. You have to turn those into me. Not so I can get out my red pen and grade. I don't have time to do all that. <laughs> it's just accountability. Sometimes you have to turn it in, you're building a habit, and it takes about three weeks to build that habit. So we must recognize it is important to spend time in God's Word and no proper doctrine so we are not swayed away. Looking at verse 2, we must recognize that we did not receive the Holy Spirit by works of law. We received the Holy Spirit by hearing the gospel and receiving with faith. And looking at verse 3, we must recognize that we did not begin our Christian life by grace, and then we were not perfected by the law. We began our Christian life by the grace of Jesus Christ, by the Holy Spirit's work in our life. And we continue our Christian life by the Holy Spirit's work in our life. And the Holy Spirit continues to prompt us and compel us and convict us. And we are, we, we are sanctified. That means we are made righteous in God's eyes by the Holy Spirit and not by works of the law. And not by works of the law. Remember, we cannot keep the law. We are saved by Jesus' blood on the cross, and we grow in our faith by Jesus' blood on the cross. The question I have for all of you right now is, are you growing in the faith? Are you growing in the faith? And do you care? Something coming to my mind right now is, do you feel more badly or guilty, I don't want to use that word guilt, of the ice cream you eat or of the lack of a spiritual commitment to Christ. Eventually, the conviction stopped. The Holy Spirit might be convicting us of sins of omission and sins of commission. Sins of commission are the things that you do that you shouldn't do, you know, like um, rooting for the Patriots in the Super Bowl and... um, I'm just kidding. I just can't stand the Patriots. Anyways, um the sins of commission are things you do that you should not do. Sins of omission are things that you don't do that you should do. Like seeking the Lord and following Him and spending time in prayer and devotions, you know, growing in your relationship with Christ. Christ knows what's best of for us. That's why He wants us to spend time with Him. Set aside time. To slow down. Spiritual disciplines. Do you feel convicted? Eventually the convictions might stop. I encourage you to seek the Lord. Let's close this sermon with prayer right now. Lord Jesus, help us to seek you. Help us to follow you. Lord God, help us to recognize proper uh, theology of salvation, proper soteriology, the theology of salvation, the doctrine of salvation. They were saved by grace through faith in you, Lord God. We're not saved by works. Lord God, uh, don't let this congregation, don't let me, don't let any of us stray from you being charmed or bewitched or persuaded any other way. But help us to seek you. Lord God, if we know you, help us to follow you and be committed to you and grow in you and, and, and value Bible study and prayer and spiritual disciplines. And Lord God, don't let us get discouraged. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would guide us and lead us in this way. Help us to be sensitive to your call, Holy Spirit, as we endeavor to follow you, being led by the Holy Spirit, by the word of God, and by the testimony of Jesus Christ. And if anyone here, Lord, is here and they're sitting there and they're thinking, I need to repent and turn to you, whether for the first time or maybe of some other sin that's unconfessed, I pray, Lord, that they would be sensitive to your spirit and they would repent today recognizing they are a sinner in need of a Savior, as we all are. Jesus, you are the only Savior. You're the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by you. May we all commit to you and trust in you, following you. And Lord, we don't do it alone. We know you're helping us. Pray your blessings and your care. In Jesus' name, amen.